What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. So let's go to Revelation 16. And God, we need you. And God, my hope is not in persuasive words and human reasoning, but my hope completely is in the power of the Holy Spirit moving on our corrupt minds and hearts. We need you, God. Have mercy today. And so verse 12, it says the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. And its water, Revelation 16, 12, its water was dried up to prepare the way from the kings of the east. And so, Jeremy, if you could just go ahead and hit this video real quick, please. Euphrates River drying up, as mentioned in Revelation 16, verse 12, which tells us, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. We are not living in the pouring out of the bowls part of the prophecy, as mentioned in that verse in Revelation, in my opinion, but it seems with all the end times prophecies that things are moving in that direction. The third temple stones being crafted, wars and rumors of wars, what seems to be the stage being set for the Gog and Magog wars mentioned in Ezekiel 38, it seems that that's what we're seeing here with the Euphrates River. The beginning stages moving towards the one day of the final fulfillment as mentioned in Revelation 16. I don't think that one day that the entire river is just going to dry up, although God could easily do that. It seems like the slow processes are a way of God showing his signs and prophecies being fulfilled so those who choose to deny him and his word will have no excuse when they meet him face to face after this life. Since my last video on this subject five months ago, which I'll leave in the description below, the situation has continued to get worse. Iraq is continuing in back to back year droughts and between dams being built upriver and what the articles claim to be climate change, certain sections of the Euphrates River continue to dry up. The people along the Euphrates River depend upon the water for agriculture and industrial plants, and the drying up of the river has led to over a thousand illegal wells to be dug. And as you can see through the pictures, that vast areas of this huge river are disappearing, leaving small slivers of water in what used to be one of the largest rivers in the region. In relation to the drying up of the Euphrates, there's also recent news of what's called Iraq's Pearl of the South, Lake Sawa, also drying up amid the drought in the region, as well as an interesting discovery of a 3,400-year-old city emerging from the Tigris River due to the drought. The city is said to be of the Mitanni Empire era during the Bronze Age. It discovered over 100 clay tablets well-preserved, which one of the archaeologists said was actually a miracle to still be intact underwater on that type of clay for so long. If those tablets hold any interesting information in relation to any biblical stories, hopefully they aren't sent to the Smithsonian, who has a history of concealing and destroying artifacts that don't fit in with the Darwinian theory of evolution. The drying up of sections of the Euphrates seems to be a hint towards the future event of Revelation 16, where God's wrath is poured out upon the earth. All throughout history, God has sent warnings and prophets to people, and that's how I view it when we see small fulfillment of these prophecies before their one day absolute fulfillment. God desires all to come to repentance, 2 Peter 3, 9. 
So when we can see events in the world in relation to the Bible, but not the final fulfillment, it almost seems like a warning from God, a sign of things to come, in hopes that those whose hearts have been hardened to his truth would be filled with either interest or fear and seek his truth in his word. That's my prayer today, that the heart of the lost would turn to the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of their eternal souls, so they can spend eternity with him and fulfill their calling and reason that they were created to live on this earth. Thanks for watching. God bless. So Jeremy, if you could throw up the trumpet picture as well. <clears throat> so listen, I just played that video, and, and let me just say, church, um, it could rain uh, nonstop for six months over there, and the river could fill up, all right? But there's a drought over there, and it's amazing that 2,000 years ago, God said that that was going to happen because there's a war that's going to take place. And so for me, as I look at that and I look at what's going on, and, and as we get into Joel chapter 3 and, and Isaiah 30 and these different places today, all of a sudden things are like, man, that's happening, that's happening, that's happening. So we just need to be aware as we look at the news today and we also look at the Bible. We see things coming to pass. We see things that have already taken place that have already happened. And so here we are in the book of Revelation. Chapter 6 of Revelation started the six seals being ripped off. And then the seven trumpets. And now we are in the final today of, of chapter 16 of Revelation where the seven veils or the seven bowls are going to be poured out. And so uh, verse 12 was the sixth angel that poured his bowl out on the Euphrates River. God's wrath is almost done here, all right? It's almost done. Now, just as an overview, chapter 17 and 18 in Revelation kind of go in reverse, and they talk about the Antichrist Babylonian system, the system, the world economic, the world, uh, economic system of the beast, of which we'll go through in chapter 17 and 18, and then chapter 19, Jesus comes back, and we're all looking forward to that day, and also looking forward to that week when we finally, as a church, get to Revelation 19. Thank you for no amens, but I heard your laughs. So this is where we are, verse 13. Saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, the mouth of the beast, and the mouth of the false prophet, an unclean spirit like frogs. And remember, last week we talked about the plagues in Egypt. One of the plagues in Egypt was frogs. And so we see a correlation with chapter 16 and the plagues of Egypt. And I believe God is trying to wake up the, 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 the Israel nation to, hey, these are the same plagues here. They're happening here right now in the tribulation period. You better wake up. You better wake up because God's heart is always to rescue his people out. That's his heart. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, that is the unholy trinity. The unholy trinity. Satan is always counterfeiting God. It's always a copy. And so that's going to happen in our world. We need to be aware of that. Out of the mouth. Out of the mouth. We talked about that last week. Out of the mouth came deception. Just like with Peter. Jesus is like, surely. I'm, he, Jesus is like, I'm going to be crucified. And Peter's like, no, you're not, Jesus. And who wants the king to be crucified, by the way, right? So it seemed right. It seemed good. No, we don't want you to die, Jesus. But what did Jesus say? 
to something that sounded good, he said, get behind me, Satan, to his disciple, Peter. There is a lot of people in the church that are walking under deception right now. There's a big group of the church that doesn't believe in the tribulation, doesn't believe in the rapture, doesn't believe in anything like that anyway. They will someday. We don't hate them. They're our brothers and sisters. But while they're getting raptured up, they're going to be, oh, man, I got that wrong. Joking, guys, listen. There's so much we get wrong, by the way. Right? Myself included. Verse 15. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays away, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. I want you to jot down Revelation 3.17. Actually, turn there because you're so close. Let's just read this together. And this take, this is back to humility. Back to humility, church. Jesus breaks in in the midst of this, and he, and he just reminds us that we better be a humble people. We better come underneath his word, which, which allows us to truly worship him. Revelation 3, 17, for you say that I'm rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing. Realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness might not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. This needs to be a constant cry for you, disciple, that God help me to truly see, help me to really, really depend on you to, to, to clothe me in righteousness. My, my dependence needs to be on you I've got to humble myself down. God wants to clothe us. God wants to save us. Help me not to harden my heart like Pharaoh did. And that's why verse, t- verse 15 of, of Revelation 16 is there. Keep your garments on. Stay awake that you might not be exposed. Verse 16, and they assembled, and I want you to highlight symboled, at the place in Hebrew called Armageddon. Now, here's where you get the notes out. We're going to get into some Bible prophecy right now, and I'm just going to try to stick to the text, but also lining things up with what's going on in the world. Again, this is one of the reasons why I said if you walk out of here not worshiping Jesus, not praising him, not excited, then you may be dead. Because only God can do what's, what you're about to see here. So the first place that I want you to go is Isaiah eleven eleven, please. Isaiah eleven eleven. Keep in mind, This passage of Isaiah was written anywhere from 5 to 700 B.C., B.C. basically before Christ. And Isaiah is prophesying. He's prophesying. But a lot of us in the church, we miss this because we haven't studied the Bible. And it's confusing to us because we're like, what in the world are they talking about here? So listen to this. 11.11, in that day the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time. And I want you to highlight second time. And I want you to put above second time, 1948. 
1948, to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. Now, Jeremy put up the picture of the lion map. So, you see the word second time. I had you highlight that and put 1948. The first time God brought back his people from captivity, right? They went into captivity here, but then he brought them back. They weren't, and I want you to look at, at, uh, at, at verse, the end of verse 11 again. You see all those nations? Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, right? Cush, Cush is Ethiopia. Egypt is down here. So the first time that Israel was led captive, they weren't led to the nations, they were led here, and God brought them back. And so the prophet is prophesying, and he's saying, the second time I bring them back, and again, in 1948, the world felt bad because of the Holocaust and what Hitler did to the Jews in Europe. And all of a sudden, the world declared that Israel was a nation in one day, fulfilling another prophecy, by the way, in Isaiah, which says, can a nation be born in a day? Yes, it was, 1948. I think it was May 14th, 1948. So it was born, prophecy fulfilled. Think about this for a second, church, and this is why it blows my mind that people don't believe in the Bible. This nation that could fit in the state of Florida, Israel, it could fit inside our state, had a small group of people that were scattered throughout Europe, Africa, all over the world, because that's what it says. By the way, this verse takes down black Hebrew Israelites because they went up into Europe, but they also went into Africa and Egypt and Cush. So the Jews went buckshot everywhere. They just didn't go to one area, so they all looked the same. Now they look a lot different. That's why if you go to Israel today, you'll see Ethiopians there that, that are of Jewish descent, and they're full-on uh, uh, black. And you go over there, and you, you see people from, from the Russia and, and Germany and that area, and they're full-on white. What's going on? Well, that, that's what's going on. They, they were scattered everywhere, and we'll, and we'll see this a little, a little bit later. But listen, the second time, they're coming from everywhere back to Israel. And we're seeing that happen right now. It's still happening, guys. No nation has been destroyed for 2,000 years, scattered everywhere, all over the world, and then come back to its homeland 2,000 years later. That is a miracle. And people before 1948 were hating on the Bible, saying that's never going to happen. It can't happen. It's not true. These people are everywhere. We don't even know where they are. All of a sudden, they're coming back, and they're back. They're back in the land. They're back in the land that God promised them. This is your land forever, God said. It's their land, and he's brought them back. I want you to turn to Zechariah chapter 12, please. Zechariah chapter 12. Now, students of the word, listen. Every time I give a reference, okay, on your notes because you are handing out a bulletin and it's just blank. Why is it blank? Because I'm not going to give you fill in the blanks. You need to say, Holy Spirit of God, 
give me wisdom. What is it that you want me to write down? What are you saying to me? Because I might just say something, right? And it's really not me. There's been so many times, Chris, when you said this, I'm like, I don't remember saying that. And listen, my prayer is that I would die so that Christ alone would speak through me. My goal every Sunday is to get out of the way. Can I get a witness on that? Yeah. You need me to get out of the way so that Christ and Christ alone, like like his word comes through. So listen, jot these down, go back to them. Zechariah 12, Zechariah 12, verse 2. It says, behold, I'm about to make Jerusalem, and you can put 1967. 1967, because there was a six-day war where the Arabs came in, the different nations came in and tried to destroy Israel that was given the land in 1948, but Israel won, which was a miraculous war, and many miracles happened during the six-day war, but at that time, Israel took over Jerusalem, 1967, six-day war. You, again, jot it down, go do your research. Behold, I'm about to make Jerusalem a staggering to all surrounding peoples. And the siege of Jerusalem will also be against Judah. And on that day, I'll make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. And all who lift it will surely hurt themselves. And all the nations of the earth will gather against it. You want to highlight all the nations of the earth will gather against Israel. They're going to gather against it. That includes the United States of America. This is why you've got to settle in your heart a pledge allegiance to the kingdom of God first. Seek his kingdom first. It's not that we don't bless Jeremiah 29. They were enslaved people, like during this time, Jeremiah is saying, they're in captivity, and they're saying, Bless the city, have children. So wherever we are, we are aliens. We're not citizens here, we're citizens of heaven. And so we bless, we get involved politically. Let me say that again, we get involved politically. Jesus was very political because the system, the pharisaical system, Jesus was constantly attacking that political system. It was a political religious system who had lined up with the Romans. That's why they had access to kill and crucify Jesus, because the Pharisees were political. When people try to tell you don't get political, they don't know what they're talking about. And who doesn't want you to get political, by the way? That's not God. Because we are the people who have the spirit of truth. We have the mind of Christ. We have the laws of God written on our heart. And so we need to be involved in in politics. I just get tired sometimes of the foolishness. If the king is on the throne of your heart, I want you in a place where you can make laws that are just and right in our nation. But if you're under deception and you got frog stuff coming out your mouth, I don't want you as mayor of our city. And us Christians need to wake up to false doctrines and ideologies that have been pushed upon us. And I'm going to keep it moving right now. All who lift it will hurt themselves. You see that there? Christian, don't divide up the land. We are always against that. We are against the two-state solution. 
don't lift the land. We are Bible over whatever politics are happening. And this is why you need to make sure it's settled in your heart. My allegiance lies with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I'm going to follow his word, not a political party. Because both parties, by the way, have turned against Israel. One more so, but anyway. Jeremy, if you could put the picture of the Muslim nations. So I showed you this last week. That little red dot is Israel. They are surrounded by people. And by the way, Iran, their mission from God is to wipe Israel off the map. Don't be fooled by the media. Right? The Iran deal was horrific. Why? Because they want to wipe Israel off the map. Their nuclear program is being created to blow up Israel and wipe it off the map. Next picture, Jeremy. So I just want you to see this here because it's important for Gog and Magog. You see Russia. And again, you see Muslim countries and you see Jerusalem. Again, God's declaring if you lift this country, if you lift this nation, if you come against it, Things are going to happen. Things are going to happen that are, that are not good. There's a warning that was written uh, uh, thousands of years ago, speaking to this time right now. Go to the next. So this is the, the, the valley here, the battle of Armageddon. There is a valley of Jezreel. That's where this battle that, that we're talking about, the Euphrates dries up, and these, these kings are going to come in, and the world is going to attack. Now, this will be on the news soon. Nazareth, there's a huge cliff where they were going to throw Jesus off the cliff. Where they were going to throw him off is where the Armageddon Valley is. Next picture, Jeremy. So here's a picture of all of the nations coming down to that valley, the Battle of Armageddon, and they will get crushed by God. Again, church, come out of the deception. Be very careful about coming against Israel as a nation. They're occupying, they're occupying, they're occupying. Be very careful about coming against Israel as a nation. A few weeks ago, we had a Palestinian up here. Jesus died for the Palestinians. We're not against the Palestinians. Jesus died for Israel. He died for everybody. But understand, understand, you're not against Palestine if you're against what the world is trying to do, which is divide up Israel. Next picture, please. I went over this last week. I want to say this again. The United Nations, all right, have 175 countries that are involved. But 21 of the 27 resolutions were against Israel. The United Nations is against Israel. Okay, so it's saying here all nations will gather against Israel. Why is the United Nations against Israel? Next one, Jeremy. Again, from the United Nations, 
The two-state solution is the only path for the poor Palestinians. Now think about this for a second. How many Muslim lands were around little Israel? Is there anywhere for them to go? (laughs) Israel's like, hey, we just have this little piece of land. Can we have this? You guys have this? Crossing continents, you run it all. Can you just give us this little bit? But here's what the United Nations wants to do. It's the only path. And it's the only way for Israel to live in peace. What is the Antichrist going to do? He's going to come and he's going to offer a peace treaty because of the tension that's going on. And then it will be broken halfway through. All right. Next picture, please. So Israel just blew up, just blew up a runway in Damascus because uh, terrorist organizations were flying bombs and stuff to bomb Israel, which is happening, and they blew it up. They blew it up, and so the people aren't very happy. Keep going. Israel, they just did a simulation with their planes where they are doing um, runs and practices, and all of their air force, this was the biggest practice ever because they believe they're going to be attacked. Why do they believe they're going to be attacked? Next picture, please. This just happened. I want you to see right here. Here's, my, here's our man, Putin, Putin, who, by the way, might be Gog. We don't know that, but he could be Gog, uh, representing Magog. But he's with the Iranian leaders, and they have signed a peace treaty. This is an amazing thing that I don't think we understand. Why is Russia mad at Israel? Because in the United Nations, they stood up for Ukraine. And Israel's mad about that. They're mad about that. So Putin just flew down on the 19th of June, or excuse me, July. He just flew down and had talks in Iran. Now, next picture, please. Why is this important? Well, it's important because in Ezekiel 38, and let's go ahead and turn there right now, please. Am I losing anybody? Okay, good. That means the Holy Spirit's moving. Because if it was me, we'd all be lost. Help us, God. So a lot of information to take in. And again, when you have the right information, it's going to cause you to worship. See, a lot of people, oh, man, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. Listen, for the Christian, we should be excited. Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard. And the children of Israel, they are in Egypt. And what did God do? He poured out his spirit and he marked the Israelites so that the plagues wouldn't hit them. If you have the Holy Spirit of God, he has anointed your head with oil. And his cup's going to overflow in these times. This is exciting for us because this was written (laughs) thousands of years ago and it's happening. So why did I put Iran? Understand Gog and Magog. So let's go ahead and read this here. Ezekiel 1 through 6. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set your face towards Gog and the land of Magog. Look on the map now. See that at the top? Russia, Gog, Magog. Gog is the leader. And God prophesied, I'm going to put hooks in the jaw of Gog and bring him down to war. He's going to gather the nations for war. The chief of, of Meshish and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I'm against you, O Gog and Tubal, and I will turn you about and put hooks in your jaws, and I will bring you out, 
and all your army and your horses and horsemen and all them clothed in full armor, a great host of them with buckler and shield, wielding swords, Persia, Cush. Now, where's Persia? It's Iran. Iran is Persia. It's changed its name, but the Bible's the Bible. Russia, Gog and Magog, and Iran are going to join together. What picture, Jeremy, go to that last picture again because I don't think they believe me. Putin, where is he? He's in Persia, okay? Gog and Magog coming together, signing a treaty, and starting to work together. Again, 3,000 years ago, who could make this up? Well, it's not made up. It's going to happen just like God said it was going to happen. Let your faith arise, church. Let your faith arise. Let your faith arise in God's spoken word. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. All right, back to uh, that map. Verse 5, Persia, Cush, Put are with them. With a shield, the helmet, Gomen, and all our hordes, Beth Torgamoth, from the uttermost parts of the north, with this hordes and many peoples are with you. So again, all nations are going to converge and attack the nation of Israel. This is what the Lord is saying. This is what the Lord is saying. I want you to go back to Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah chapter 12. It talks about what God is going to do in this passage for sake of time. Let's just go down um, to verse 9. Because again, you need, you need to highlight it. Zechariah 12, 9. On that day, I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. So when our nation turns against Jerusalem, are you <laughs> pledging allegiance to that? No. I'm pledging allegiance to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Make sure your heart is aligned with God's word above what's popular, what the world says, and what you may think. Verse 10, this is beautiful. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem. You can put um, Revelation chapter 7 over this, and you can put Revelation chapter 14, because I believe this is the 144,000 that God is going to awaken of the nation of Israel. Um, I will put a spirit of grace and please for mercy so that when they look on him whom they have pierced. I want you to highlight that word pierced. Why? Here's why. Understand this was written around 500 B.C., 500 years before Christ was born. The Roman Empire was not invented at this time. The Roman Empire wasn't around at this time. The Roman Empire... They created the cross that pierced his hands and feet. Do you know that the sin for blasphemy is stoning to death? That's the Jewish law. How did Jesus die, though? Was he stoned? No. He was hung on a cross, and his hands and his feet were pierced. It's another Bible prophecy that came true. 500 years before Christ was even born, this was written. And if you don't like this one, there's another one in Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22, but we just don't have time. Christ was prophesied to be crucified on the cross. 
for our sins and the sins of the world. I want you to go down to verse 11. On that day, the morning in Jerusalem will be as great as the morning for Hadad Ramon, the plain of Megiddo, the battle of Armageddon. There's going to be a great morning. I want you to go over to Zechariah 14, please. Zechariah 14, same book, two chapters later. God is speaking to this in time. He says, behold, a day is coming. A day is coming for the Lord. When the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. So again, this was written way before Christ was born, and the Bible's prophesying to a time that we're living in right now where the spirit of this age is going to want to gather against Israel. You better be really clear on which side you're on. We need to be very clear. This is why I need somebody in the White House that actually believes this. Because I don't want your children to suffer. I want you to go down to verse 9. Same chapter. And again, you can read all that stuff on your time. May the Lord give you wisdom. Verse 9 says, and the Lord will be king over the earth. Boy, that's going to happen. On that day, on the day the Lord will be one and his name one. Guys, it's coming. It is coming. God's millennial reign is coming and Jesus will be king on the earth. I want you to go to Jeremiah 30, please. Jeremiah 30. We're shifting into to, to fourth gear right now. Make sure your seatbelt's on. Our king is ruling and he's reigning and he's showing just how bad he is. Not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good. He is awesome. He is terrifying. Jeremiah 30, Jeremiah 30, verse 3. For behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people. If you research Israel right now, they are tops in wealth, tops in, in uh, technology. There's a place called the Wadi Valley where Tesla went over. Elon, he's, he's working with them to design the car that you don't have to drive anymore. They've got a contract with one of those companies over there. Israel is off the charts tech-wise. From 1948, where it was just a desert, to now tops in the world. What's God doing? He's restored the fortunes of Israel. That's why I told the church about 10 years ago, if you're going to invest, invest in Israel in the stocks. There was some stockbrokers that did that, and they made some cash. Now listen, you and I, we may be too late for that one. But this is the fig tree blossoming that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 24. The wealth has been restored in Israel. Now again, <laughs> Jeremiah 30, you're talking 3,500 year, pro 2,000, uh, excuse me, 3,000 year prophecies where God is saying, I'm going to restore the fortunes. Again, if you don't believe, if you're not like, what? You're dead. You're dead. And you need to say, wake me up, Lord. This is amazing. It says, I will bring them back to the land that I gave their fathers to take possession of it. That happened in 1948 again. This is important. I want you to go down to verse 9. Verse 9, same chapter. It says, they will serve the Lord the God and David their king. Wait a minute, David died already. Why is this prophet saying, serve David? Because Jesus is called the son of David. 
Remember that guy that cried out, oh, son of David, have mercy on me, right? So, so this is prophesying of Jesus, the son of David being the king of kings. Jesus is from the lineage of David, another Bible prophecy that has come true. And again, this was written before Christ was born. Jeremy, go ahead and put the Bill Cohen book up, please. So I would like everybody to go buy this book. No prophets will be received from me. My heart is completely pure, but this, is, this book will blow your mind. You know that little emoji? Psh, that's what will happen. Because in there, and, 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 and Jeremy, go to the, the, what Biden just did. Biden's State Department sidesteps Israel to open Palestinian consulate in Jerusalem. This is our leader coming against Israel. Again, wanting to divide. It sounds good. It sounds right. Two state, let's compromise. But again, when you do that, you're coming against the Lord. And again, this is our nation. Now listen, so some of you don't think, oh, this guy, man, he just, he just doesn't like Democrats. Listen, let's go back a little in history. George Bush Sr. was giving a speech in Europe. And he was declaring that Israel should divide the nation. That same day in Kenny Bunkport, Maine, 16-foot waves came crashing on his home. You can look it up. And that's where we get the perfect storm. That storm came out of nowhere. The same day that he gave that speech, and he was a Republican. He was a rhino. And then... And then, George Bush Jr., another Bush, he came against Israel, and all of a sudden, Katrina happened in New Orleans. Biden came against Israel on something, and all of a sudden, the hurricanes and tornadoes in Kentucky like, guys, this is, this is not joke stuff. Listen, Trump and Jared Kushner devised a two-state thing, and when that happened, the next day, the COVID came through in America. We shut everything down, and Trump's polls, which were up here, completely plummeted because the Donald put forth a proposal to divide up the land of Israel. And he's out of office, by the way. Go back to the book. Some of you don't like that. Listen, it's not about politics right now. It's about when you touch the apple of God's eyes, you will get hurt. And this book has over a hundred, I think it's 126 instances when the United States of America went against Israel and we received a blowback in the weather arena. Does that make sense? I want you to go down to verse 3 of Joel. So they divided up my land. Are we in Joel 3, guys? Hey, go to Joel 3, please. <laughs> I thought we were in Joel 3. Verse 1. Those days at time, I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, 1967. I thought I talked about God doing that. My bad. 
Help me, Lord. Please, I need you. So Joel 3, again, another prophecy. In those days when I restore the fortunes of Judah. That's why I went on the whole Tesla, Elon Musk, Wadi Valley, anyway. Joel 3, Joel 3, that's where we are. Joel 3, right now, please. I'm going to restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. And I want you to put again, that's, that's God, is, he's done that. Then, then I will gather the nations and bring them down to the Valley of Jehoshaphat. I don't have time to get into that, but basically it's a, that's, that's uh, the Valley of Jezreel, Armageddon. And I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and the heritage of Israel because they've scattered, my, they've scattered them among the nations and they divided up my land. Again, scattered to the nations, not scattered to Babylon. Babylon, that was the first time. To the nations, the second time. People scattered them, and, 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 and God was judging. Verse 3, they've cast lots for my people. They've traded a boy for a prostitute and have sold a girl for wine and have drunk it. Now listen, this is, this is some, some sick stuff, so hold on. Next picture. This is a real organization right now, and you can see it's found in 1978. North American Man-Boy Love Association. Now, if I go down for some weird stuff, it's because I just Googled that today, okay, for this purpose. So pray. Anyway. <laughs> Next picture. Here's Forbes, right? Now, Zuckerberg. Now, I'm not saying he's part of this group, but he got automatically joined to this group, and it was an issue that came up in Forbes magazine. This NAMBLA, North American Man-Boy Love Association is a real thing. It's disgusting. And understand, we are in an age right now, okay? And listen, what's the verse say? You've traded a boy for a prostitute. There is a target on our children where drag queens are grooming children, where they're changing the name of pedophile to MAP, uh, which is minor attracted person. They don't want to use pedophile anymore. It's minor attracted person. Why? Because the spirit of the age is we want boys for prostitutes. Understand that's what's going on in our nation. We've got child mutilation as well that they are trying and attempting to push. You can't vote till you're 18, but you can mutilate your body if you're 10 and 11 years old. It is ridiculous what is happening the attack on our children, and I'm going to get political. There's one party that seems to be pushing that more than the other. Anti-Israel, anti-baby, anti-God, anti-children, anti-school choice. Sometime you got to wake up and say, man, what side am I on? Am I on the Lord's side? And if that's offensive to you, listen, go sit before the Lord. And listen, all you ultra-maga folks, don't ever get so ultra-maga because, again, our ultra-maga guy, he, he tried to divide Israel. And whenever a president of the United States goes against the Bible, I'm against them because I walk in the spirit of the Lord. The whole world's going to come under deception, but not us, not us, not us, because we have the word of God. Let's go back to Revelation 16, 17. Sixteen seventeen. We're going to finish this, Chris? Yeah. 
We're going to finish it, guys. I know I'm a little bit over, but that's okay. When you begin to put the word of God over everything in your life because you know that it's true and it's going down. I just gave you three different passages, Zechariah, Joel chapter three, Jeremiah, right? All these different passages that we went through, they're all saying the same thing. They were prophesied before Jesus even was born and it's happening now over 3,000 years later. If you walk out of here just like not believing that this stuff's gonna happen, it's not on me. I'm a watchman and you've been served. Truth has been put on your plate. And what you do with it, it matters. For me, I want to humble myself. And I want to ask for more, God. I want to ask for more. A greater belief in your word so I can walk right. So I can worship right. 17, an angel poured out his bowl into the air. Highlight air. Why is that important? Because for me, I was like thinking about this, and I'm like, man, Ephesians chapter 2, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. It's kind of like in your face, Satan. Because he's the prince of the power of the air. A loud voice. Loud. There's that word again. Loud. Can I get a witness? And it came out of the temple from the stone saying, it is done. It is done. It reminds me of it is finished. So here we got God just attacking the earth, attacking the seas with blood, the waters with blood, the sun, now the air. This is the whole planet God's coming at. Listen, the arrogance and pride to think you could save the planet, you can't. You can't. The audacity of that statement. Listen, God, climate change is, changes are not our greatest threat. Man's rebellion against God is our greatest threat. And these judgments are going to come upon mankind. Understand, this word, it is done, it is done, means a completed action with ongoing results. A completed action with ongoing results. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is done, it is finished. And guess what? That cross still cries out with a completed action with continuing results. We are saved, we are sealed, we are freed, we're delivered, we're his, it is finished, it is done. Same phraseology. One for the righteous who put their faith in Christ and one for those who continue to rebel against God. You will be finished or done one way or the other. Verse 18, there were flashes and lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on earth. So great was that earthquake that the city was split into three parts and the nations fell and they remembered Babylon the great. Again, chapter 17 and 18. The first earthquake in the New Testament was Jesus when he died on the cross, the earthquake. And this is the last one in the New Testament. Both times over this earthquake, it is finished, it is done. Oh, man, this book is amazing. Because it's not a book, it's his breath. It's his breath. It comes from his breath. I love you, Lord. He is going to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away. No mountains were to be found. And great hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell from heaven on the people. 
and they cursed God. Now, I want you to put the number three by it. That's the third time we see that they cursed God. Instead of turning to God, they hardened their hearts and they cursed God. They cursed God. Understand in Leviticus 24, 16, and I want you to put that over curse, please. Do you know what God's law says in Leviticus 24, 16? Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely put to death, and all the congregation shall stone them. God's law is not abolished. His law is true and right. And Jesus warned, you better be careful when you relax one of these commandments. You better be very careful. But he who teaches my commandments and does them, he'll be great. But he who relaxes will be called least in the kingdom. Church, I don't want you to be least in the kingdom. I want you to understand that the wrath of God and the laws of God will come true. And these hailstones, 100 pounds, are going to crush people because they're cursing and they're blaspheming God. He already told them in Leviticus, don't do that. And if you do that, you'll be stoned. And now you see the fulfillment happening in Revelation 16. All right, my sister is the children's church leader, so I'm really not worried if she's upset with me, but we are way over. Drew, come on, my man. Let's begin to worship again. Let's begin to press in. Now that we've got that, that word in us, like, oh, my gosh, God, let me help me now. Help me to believe in your word. Help me to trust in what you declare. And listen, his burden is so light. His burden is so light. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. That's what Scripture declares. And we've got to be a people that come into his word. And when we worship, we're coming into the word of God. We celebrate his victories. We celebrate his promises. We celebrate what he's doing. And we've got to begin to meditate and come into that. So let's fix our gaze upon him. Father, I thank you that you're here in this place today. Redeem the time, God. I pray, God, that there would be a revival breaking out today, a revival to you, a revival to the word of God, that you are in control, you are sovereign, you are ruling and reigning. And I pray for those who haven't bowed down to you, Jesus, and surrendered their life, that they would look at this and say, wow, I better do that today. And I pray that they would turn to the cross and see the fact that their sins, that our sins put him there. He was killed and crushed for our iniquities. And may we just turn to you, God. As Jesus, you received the wrath of God and you did no wrong. But those who reject you will receive the wrath of God. And so I just pray for mercy for those who are not born again today, that they'll be drawn forward today. Those that are struggling, drawn forward today. Those that, that, that really don't believe your word, God, but are offended by it, may they be drawn forward today. May true repentance happen at this altar. And may you be glorified, Jesus. We turn our hearts towards you and we kiss towards you now. Be exalted, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.